If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. And that's why Discover matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Richard Jefferson on the show today. Richard, thank you so much. I mean, the last time I saw you, I don't know if you remember, it's the last and first time I actually met you, but uh, it was at the ESPYs pre-party at a pool party. Do you remember this photo? Oh, wow. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. Me, Channing, we were having a damn, we were probably having too much fun. We were we were still on that championship high, and that was back when you used to be able to go to parties and stuff. It was it was a good time. <laughs> oh, pre-COVID. I know. I was, like, wondering if you remembered since you guys literally were coming off the victory tour. I don't know if there was alcohol involved. I was like, he probably doesn't even remember this day actually even happened or that he met me, that we've met before. That's true because then, then we were all at the uninterrupted after party. Uh, also, yes. we were all there together. So, no, hundred percent. Are you kidding me? You like you remember, you know, having a good time. That's what you. That's what. That's what we're all storing right now. Hey, remember that time I had a good time three years ago? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that's the only thing you can do right now. For those that don't know, we have Richard Jefferson, and I just got to go over some of the things about you. You were born in Los Angeles, California. You attended Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, Arizona, and you led the basketball team to a 4A state championship in 1998. Then you went on to play college basketball for the Arizona Wildcats under head coach Lou Olson. And in three years at the U of A, you averaged 11.2 points, 11.2 points, five rebounds, 2.8 blocks, and you were part of the squad that wow i didn't know this that fell to duke in the 2001 national championship yeah so this is the thing lolo when we talk about being a gold medal loser like like i understand we like to laugh and joke about this but i have a lot of big losses lots of them you know like <laughs> me too yeah i know I, that. I love it you know because you learn more about yourself sometimes in losing than you do in winning and boy i've oh, learned a lot nice. about myself uh, yeah, I lost in the national championship game. Uh, you know, I, and I, it's a respectable but, loss, though. It's it, a respectable. Th- one, there's though, no such to losing to Duke is not a respectful loss. We were cheated. I'll stand by that. <laughs> secondly, secondly, <laughs> secondly, this is the thing that 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 sucks about that is that they won the national championship in 1997, and that was the reason why I went to the school. I was a kid in Phoenix. They won the national championship. It was. Mike Bibby, it was like Arizona versus Kentucky. I'm like, this is why I want to come here. I want to win a championship. So that was my mm-hmm. whole goal. So to be that close to the reason why close. you went to the school, to like be able to like be that first recruiting class to say, hey, we came here to win national championships and here we are. So to not get it done, yeah, that one stung a little bit, you know. But mm. look, it's not like I was going to lose in two straight NBA finals after that. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you talked about it. Like sometimes you uh, learn more by losing. And then, then you, uh, I mean, you've had an incredible career. I mean, like, let's talk about this. You're an Olympian. You were a member of the U.S. national team that won a bronze medal in the 2004 Summer Olympics. So in Greece, which I'm beyond impressed by. Then you went to play uh, in the NBA from 2001 to, two, to 2018. 17, 17 seasons, which is so hard in the NBA. Uh, and then you retired. I don't know. I don't know if this is true, though. Did you retire in 2019 because you refused to play for the Knicks? No. no okay. So, <laughs> so this is the thing. It's not true. But boy, when I said it on air, I learned a valuable lesson. Like when you say things on air sarcastically, people that don't like you will take it literally. Or people that don't know you will take it literally. But I did say that on air. I made a joke. <laughs> That because uh, Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin, two guys that I played with for the Nets, uh, also played for the Knicks. And in that little Knicks Nets rivalry, there's like 50 players that have played for both. And I made a joke like, yeah, that's when I knew it was time for me to retire. The minute I people told me, or the minute the Knicks were the only team to offer me, uh, that's when I knew it was time for me to retire. And that kind of all of a sudden, it's I'm, hilarious. It's, I, yeah, I it's, it's it. a funny, it's a funny fucking joke, right? <laughs> it's funny. Then all of a sudden, you know, my and I go and like when I do a joke, like I go in, I'm like, oh yeah, I I said I'd rather broadcast than play for the next. Just real digging in a knife, <laughs> and well, uh, probably like like I said, I, I'm just kidding. But like I said the joke for ten minutes and said a just kidding at the end. Yeah, my producer get, my producer gets in my ear like 20 minutes later like hey is that story that you told on air true and i'm like <laughs> no and it's like well it's going viral right now and you're trending <laughs> on twitter and you're like what like what are you talking about if someone were to offer me like i just didn't get an offer and i didn't feel like waiting it's like if someone were to offer me two and a half million dollars i'd be playing basketball right now like what are you talking about yeah you know, this sounds very familiar. I don't know if you just uh, heard about Rob uh, Gronkowski. He just uh, went viral for saying he doesn't study playbooks or he doesn't watch video. He just relies on Tom Brady to tell him who's defending him and kind of like last minute, like, what should he do? And he said that he come out like a few days after. I was like, I was just joking. Like basically the same. He went viral, though. People were like, what do you mean he doesn't watch video? What do you mean he doesn't study? It's impossible to win multiple Super Bowls if you don't know specifically, because one thing that champions do know is one play, one mistake, all of these things like cost everything cost yeah. you. It, it, it's a wrap so like yeah but see got again mind you gronk went to university of arizona so both of us are fluent in sarcasm <laughs> we're both fluent in sarcasm that a lot of people don't get i'm fluent in it and that's why i get i get in hot water too and that's the thing with athletes is like when they are talking to athletes they want us to like be athlete mode and a lot of them don't expect us to have personalities or kind of think outside the bubble or like want to be humorous but if you do really know an athlete you know in the locker room that's all that it is it's just jokes all it's like there you don't even know what is the truth anymore because all people speak is sarcasm <laughs> oh, the, the best is when people are like wait wait are you wait are you being sarcastic or are you being serious because i don't know and i'm like then that means that it's working it's working it's like no but seriously are you fucking with me or are you not and i'm like no I, you and you have to clarify it but it's like because a lot of times sarcasm as athletes are is 
one of the only self-defense mechanisms that you have. Whether you're sarcastic mm-hmm. with your teammate, whether you're sarcastic with your friends, family, your coach, like that's the only way to kind of really convey a little emotion, right? And so, uh, yeah, I think more athletes are, are fluent in sarcasm as a way to just cope with all the bullshit. Yeah, but it burns us though. I, I remember I did something like uh, when I lost the Olympics and I did a, a press or you never be sarcastic with the press, but I did it. And I was just like, yeah, I think like they just raised my hurdle up a little bit. When I hit, this is what I was talking about losing the Olympic gold medal. I was like, oh, I think that they just raised, they forgot and they raised my hurdle up the wrong amount. And that's why I hit it. And people were like, Lolo claims that they sabotaged. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just being an idiot. I'm trying to make up for the fact that I messed this up. <laughs> no, don't, no, don't, don't see, look, see, now you're taking that on yourself. You're like, no, see guys, hey, no, fuck them. Just cause you guys don't understand a joke. Right. It's like, look, like, <laughs> while I under, while I appreciate your outrage, I train every day and I just lost a thing that I work for and worked my entire life for. So I apologize for any outrage that a joke might have cost you. And you're offended by that. So don't apologize, yeah. Lolo. I, I, I got your back on that. I love it. OK, next time I'm going, I'm trending on Twitter. Please chime into the trolls. Yeah, no. Yeah, you don't fight Twitter trolls. There's no winning that. There's no way. There's that. Just <laughs> leave them alone. No, but you can have a good you can have a good jab every now and then. You got to you got to find the ones that you can like have a good comeback on. Some of them, some of them you can like turn the wave. But yeah, some of most of them you got to just leave alone. You do. You have to leave them alone. It depends. One guy, one guy, this coach, it was great. So somebody I made a statement. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that Vince Carter, me and Matt Barnes, who also played with Vince Carter, said that Vince Carter was the most talented athlete we'd ever seen. Right. Not the best, not the most, not the, not our, not the best basketball player we'd ever seen. Just like the most, like the most like gifted, like I would see him shoot like left-handed three pointers from 40 feet, just do all sorts of random things. Like he was so like, obviously we know about his athletic gifts. And people are like, oh, Pete, Richard Jefferson said Vince Carter is better than LeBron James. And you're like, no, no, that's not that's not what the fuck I said. That's not that's not what I said. Like, yes, like Braun is six foot nine, 260 pounds and Vince is six foot five, you know, 200. But you're talking about just a pure gifted athlete and like like just pure talent on a basketball floor that came mm-hmm. with extreme ease. I never saw it. Anyway, some guy, some guy, some coach goes. Or some guy tweets like, hey, uh, you know, apparently we're just going to let Richard Jefferson say anything. And I was like, wait, is this? I was like, oh, so I I I feel like I either quoted or put in comments like, hey, I love like I know that I played against them and had to guard both of them. But I would love to hear from someone who watched them. Please tell me more. (laughs) And let's just say that the trolls definitely decided to come out heavily. And I was like, see, this is why I don't do Twitter, because my sarcasm on Twitter Uh. either goes one way or the other. And so uh, I just like to keep to myself. Got you. Speaking of breaking down athletes, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, So I've had the opportunity over the course of my career. I always get this from athletes. I get it from uh, non-athletes, but it's it always intrigues me when I get NFL players or soccer or NBA players like, hey, I think I can beat you in a race. I get this all the time, Richard. I don't know, like, if people try to, like, compare your sports, like, hey, I think I can, you know, maybe score on you. Yeah. So my recently, I'm not going to name this NBA player because <laughs> I don't want to shame them. But recently, I had an NBA player wanting to race me. I've already raced NBA players. I raced Kevin Love at the Olympics. He lost in, like, the first step. Slows dirt. Sorry, Kevin. 
Sorry, Kevin. I don't know if you know him. <laughs> how well you know your teammate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, granted, we were both completely drunk, but I still beat him. A race, a win is a win is a win is a win, no matter how you get that win. <laughs> so I, I know a post is quite slow and that I have the potential to beat a post NBA. But this person was more of like a 2-3 wing um, and was like, I think I could uh, beat you in a race. And I said, a better question for you is, do you think I could score two points on an NBA player full court? Not half court. Half court, I, would get, I know I'd get, I'd get broken. But if I had the ability to sprint, press, do you think I could score no. two points? I think it would be easy. And this person wasn't, okay, no. this person wasn't no. a starter. No, no. This that, person no. wasn't that, a starter. Let, let, me just, let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you. I Respect. will break their ankle. Let, let me say this. It is actually <laughs> harder to do it full court. It is harder to Why? do it full court. Why? I would court. use my speed. No, no, no. no Once no, I no, use no, my speed no, to get around them. Yeah. No? But, but that's... Again, because it's in sports, like it's like a defensive back. It's all about angles. So, and and then the physicality of said angles. We're going to get too deep into the game. We don't. Okay, give a does shit. it help that I played basketball mm, in high school and no, almost got a scholarship? No, for no. I, no? In your, and, with, and with all due respect, I don't think that they could beat you in a race. I don't think that they could beat you. No, in a race. they can't. They can't. But I don't you think, think they that could beat they would be able to destroy me half court? I just don't think. I don't think in that space. You know that would be. I think you would do better in half court than full court. Have, have, like, really, I, I yeah, thought you I would get do those guys like court. like Patrick Beverly that'll that'll pick you up. You know, n- you know, ninety four feet and just work you, just make slow, you twist it's a it. Slow three, a slow three though. Not 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 a starter. He was probably most just like you know maybe after the starters get tired, he tired he would go in. Oh. Still not changing the scenario. <laughs> You know, it'd be those first three steps. It would be those first three steps. You know, if, if you got your first three steps right, Lolo, I'm I'm, I'm betting on you. I'm betting on you. You could beat him, but yeah. not, but not. No, no, not not. What if I, I remove the ability to dribble the ball and I just have to carry the ball? Like well, again, ball. now we're playing a different sport. That's called football. <laughs> That's a very different sport. Make no, make no mistake. Now. That's a All right, I'm point. done with the scenario. I'm, I'm done with you okay, trying to. I, I really had my confidence up that I thought I could beat this guy full full court. Now, mm. you know, at least you had more confidence than him. He at least you said no. He actually like he looked a little bit like he kind of broke down a little bit. Like I think I broke him mentally. So, oh, oh yeah. Uh, well, that's got to yeah. that's got to be tough. But I will say this: like basketball athletes, we are the most arrogant of the athletes <laughs> because our our. Our, our, uh, we feel like our job takes the most overall athleticism to, to do, right? Like, yes, baseball is, you know, you have to hit 100 mile an hour fastball. Look, let's be real about baseball. Baseball is at the bottom of the totem pole. I just look, there's there some good, I'm not going to disrespect, I'm just saying there's that. There's some good athletes. Well, there are, but, but I feel like, look, I've you got soccer. with baseball players, yeah. and they admit, they admit that they have the easier route. They literally have, yes. we have it. Yeah, so they're not not trying to be in this debate. So basketball players are more basketball players are more arrogant than most because we feel like playing our sport it takes hand eye, it takes footwork. There's physicality, right? There's act like you don't ever have body to body contact in 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 baseball. You don't have body to body contact in in uh, in tennis and other sports. Point being, we have a rational confidence, so I'm not surprised that a slow three man thinks that he could beat you and but i'm not i'm betting on you got you okay well this was a a great debate so i'll have to take it back well it was for a date so now that date's probably going to be over so oh oh. (laughs) you're out here i should have 
I should have just told him. Yeah. No, that, that's the me. worst way. That's the worst way to like for a date. Because if I was him, I would just let you win. Wait, who won? If he wins, he gets a date. No, right? no, no. He was. He was just. It was just all conversational. But it okay. was clearly not a good. Like I'm not like most girls who are like, oh yeah, babe, you got it. I was just like, <laughs> like my athlete mode turned on. I was just like, what? what? <laughs> Did you just? out of your Not, mouth but, but but how would you feel if he did beat you if like holy shit like you guys went to a park i want to know tell me about that if you guys went to a park and you're like fine just me and you we'll go there do a little warm-up i i can take a you know i'm an athlete i've lost before i can take the l but i would but you better believe i'm gonna be trying a hundred percent like it's not gonna be like in love and basketball where it was all cute and like it was just like a rom-com no like a girl's probably gonna warm up i'm gonna be like no that's what i'm saying like like, yeah yeah like i expect you to be in your spikes i expect you to be in your track shoes like there's no there's like like, if if i were to show up in that moment against you i would have a number on my back i would have my, I would have my track. Yeah, the jersey. I'd have my. I'd have my glasses on. Like everything to make. I'd have to be freshly shaven, so I was fully aerodynamic. All of these things would go into it. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know if that happens, and then I'll invite you out so you can break it down. Uh, this is definitely entertaining. So glad to have you on to break down uh, potential races. What are some of the similarities and differences there are between being a professional athlete? And your time as an Olympian and uh, and the difference between an athlete versus broadcaster. Oh, shit. Where do we get? <laughs> uh, you know what? The difference. OK, basketball for me is different from, you know, being an Olympic athlete. Like we talk about this in basketball. Your dreams are state championship, um, national championship, NBA championship. That's like, you know, like when you're a kid, that's mm-hmm. what you see. Is not necessarily Olympics. Like that's not like we, you know, the USA team is is a is so far outside of a lot of basketball players' dreams. But um, but to watch and be around the Olympic athletes and see how how you know you guys would train for four years for like one moment, like that is you know like truth be told, like I lost out on a gold medal and I was and I devastated to this day, frustrated, whatever. But I'm like sometimes I look back, I was like yo. I do have an Olympic medal, though. Like, holy shit. I would have never yeah. thought that. Like, I was fighting for an NBA championship. I played for 17 years to try and get one of those things. And so, that's true. you know, when you but then when you, you know, flip it into broadcasting, that transition for me was a little bit harder because you're competitive. You are competitive, but it's hard to be competitive in 30 second sound bites. It's hard to be competitive. It's more <laughs> about like an internal like I want to be the best version of myself. That's where it is. Like I started hosting recently where I hosted um, the jump and it's reading prompter and it's going to break and it's learning your transitions. It's like you're her- like learning a whole new language. And so that's been the fun thing about broadcasting is I've been able to channel some of my competitive energy towards that. That's nice. I, I just recently did some stuff for uh, NBC and on her turf for the Summer Olympics. And it was like my first time doing like a really pretty big gig where I'm co-hosting a show. It's first time co-hosting a show. And same thing you're talking about, the transitions, prompter, cues. And like when I say I was sweating more uh, yes. that than like when I'm at a competition, yes. like my I was like, you guys, I'm a literally about to have pit stains yes. all over the suit you guys yes. have. Because People don't understand it. Like, Blow up. Yeah. People, people don't understand it. <laughs> I kid you not. So I, I was fortunate. I hosted the jump for a whole week, Monday through Friday. 
it, when I was done with it that Friday, it felt like I had played, you know, four games in five nights. Like I was like physically <laughs> and emotionally because like you're on it, like you make a little flub and like you can feel your palms getting sweaty because that's your body is normally reacting to these tense situations. Right. So like mm-hmm. when you're training and when your body's tense like that, it's because you're about to race. You're you're about to be yeah. a meet. This is like the same type of like energy, but you're sitting down trying to talk. <laughs> you're just like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. But yeah, I had the same thing. It's I was everything opposite of that being an athlete. So like when an athlete, when you're nervous, they're like, okay, go shake it off, go run it off, yeah. like move your body. Mm-hmm. When you're nervous as a broadcaster, you have to literally contain your body, not move, be very still. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. everything you've learned as an athlete, like just forget it. <laughs> yeah, but the breathing techniques still work. That when you have to slow yeah, yourself down, does. it's like slow yourself down. Because I would like, I would start reading. Because people don't understand you. You start reading prompter. If there's a mistake, it's live TV. All of these things. But that's the one thing that I found hosting. Not just being an analyst, giving like a thirty second soundbite, or calling games, saying really silly shit like I always do. But being a host where you have to be so locked in, you're directing traffic, you're asking mm-hmm. questions, you got a producer in your ear telling you to rap, then you got to go and read a promo with him in your ear saying five four three yeah. and you're like so you're trying to read this prompter and smile and act like you're having the fucking time of your life it's the worst <laughs> it's the worst and now a message from discover about rewards if you're a loyal credit card customer you should be rewarded for your loyalty preferably with something that's useful like cashback match for instance discover matches all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year finally rewards that make sense Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Speaking of sound bites, in 2018, uh, I don't know. Did you really end your friendship with LeBron James over free agency? It was a joke, I know, but like, I don't know. Do you want me to read part of your, <laughs> this is a great, this is just. A very <laughs> yeah, go ahead, read it, read it. Because you. I'm absurd, but people sometimes when they first find out it's that I'm absurd, great. they don't realize great. that I've it's always been absurd. Yeah. So you go, it is with great remorse that I am writing this. After many years as a peer and many years as a friend and teammate, I have decided to end my friendship with LeBron James. I am saying this publicly so that the fans and media uh, members can please stop asking me where he is going for in free agency. I don't know. My family doesn't know. And neither do my kids. Unfortunately, I live in Los Angeles. So the questions are unavoidable. But hopefully this helps to clear things up. Truth be told, I never liked the guy. He works too hard and and makes the rest of us look bad. He's my son's favorite player. And I view that as a complete betrayal of how hard I have worked to put a roof over his head. I am sorry. I'm having to give this Drake response, but I feel like this is the best way to address this issue that I am clearly losing also. (laughs) Like, I wish everyone the best of luck in free agency. Teams and players, oh, and Channing Fry also, just because. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I my, my brain goes a bit of a different place at times. I thought, oh it, was, I thought it was funny. That's, I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. Because it was like, yo, it really was. Like I, So where I live, I live in Hermosa Beach, which is like, it's probably 10 minutes from the Lakers practice facility. So there's guys that are around town, about oh, town. Oh, yeah, you're like where, right yeah, there. Where the Lakers broadcast facility is 10 minutes from here. So you're just in like you're you're in you're kind of the pulse for La La Land over here, and yeah, it's everywhere. Where's LeBron going? Where's LeBron's? Like I don't know, nor do I care. 
Like, I'm going to be really honest. I don't talk to the guy. Don't even like the guy. And so I just thought I'd put that out. And sometimes I, I write these things just to be funny for, like, our group and, like, our boys. And then I don't yeah. realize that, oh, shit, people really pay attention to the things that I say. That that <laughs> That's probably the thing that shocks me most. I never am doing stuff like, oh, people are going to go nuts over this. No, it's like, do you think people are going to be weird about this? And it's like, oh, yeah, they were. My bad. So, yeah, I've broken up with them. We have since rekindled our friendship, uh, but we like to keep oh, our, nice. we like to keep our friendship private. Private. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of your other teammate Channing, do you guys like to you guys like to drink wine together? And did you start a wine war with LeBron and Kevin Love? It wasn't. First of all, LeBron. Look, you don't. You know how they they say big bank takes little bank. You're not going to win a wine war. What we just decided to do is start posting like really cheap, shitty bottles of wine we were drinking every time they went to their <laughs> every time they went to their like oak cabinets filled with rare wines from Italy and, and the Middle East, we would go and, and have some like two buck Chuck or some. Who, who, who's, who's doing the cheap wine? Who's doing the expensive wine? I don't necessarily drink wine. I think when we started the little wine jokes back and forth, it was me and Channing were drinking the cheap and Kevin and uh, Kevin and Brown were uh, drinking the expensive stuff. They're like on the on the menu for tonight. And we're like, <laughs> like they'd have like the, their chefs prepared dinner. Meanwhile, me and Channing have like, you know. We, we got Panda Express and some other bullshit that we're eating. And so, you know, we let those guys stunt all their wants. But just like just like anything, you got to make sure that your boys crack jokes at you, keep you in check. I totally need to check that out. I need to know which ones the cheap bottles were good because that's all I roll with. Yes, that's all like I roll $20 with. Starts to get, $20 starts to get pricey for me on wine. I don't know. It's like, you know. That's Most it. of the time, I'm like, what, what's the cheapest that hits? Yes, yes. And that's the thing. I'm like, I can spend $40 on a bottle of whiskey, and that'll last me like a day or so. I like, you know, I'm just joking. I'm not, I don't drink that much. That, <laughs> I was like, it's uh, definitely, definitely like a week. It's like, you know, yeah, that's true. A bottle of wine, 40 gone in, gone gone, in, gone in a second. So. Like, those guys, those guys drink too much. Does Channing have a vineyard? Like, what is he? Is it cheap wine no, or expensive wine? No, first of all, Channing, and to his credit, I don't really, like, look, he's like my brother, but I think most of his ideas are stupid. But this is, mo- this is one of the ideas that was a very, very good idea. So, like, part of me is proud and part of me is annoyed. Like, oh, shit, he's going to think all of his ideas are good now. Uh, but he did start a wine company. It's called Chosen Family. <laughs> him and Kevin, Kevin actually partnered with him after he started because Channing's doing it up in Oregon. Kevin Love is from Oregon. Their friendship, their connection to the state. And they've done a, actually a very, very good job. Well, they will take grapes from different vineyards and kind of put their own twist and really highlight the venues, the the, the vineyard. I, I think the best way to really explain what they're doing is kind of like how like Supreme or Virgil will do collections with Louis Vuitton or do collections with, you know, a different you know brand name. And so then it's kind of this person's spin on on another vineyard's grapes. Don't quote me on that. I don't want Chan to call me. He's like, oh, no, that's I not was exactly going to say it's doing. more like TJ Maxx. Where no, you get, no, it's actually you get like it's the high very, end, low end stuff all yeah, together. Yeah, it's very good. It's like <laughs> it's like you know, 60, 80 bucks wine, and they do it in small batches. So it's like oh, they'll get a, dang, yeah, nice. they'll, yeah, they'll do like a few barrels, and and then all of a sudden it's sold out. I should be getting a fucking. I should be getting some soon. That dude, I, I see, yeah, I buy I it, you. and he, I just never shows up. He's like, hey, do you guys want some of our rosés? Like, sure. 
I buy it and, and I don't it never know if comes. It, it doesn't show up to my house. I have to check in on that. <laughs> uh, well, maybe that's because they've uh, seen you doing some uh, other things like some dancing moves with a TikToker. I don't know. Maybe if that's what yeah. <laughs> they feel like you don't need the wine because no. you're already like free spirited enough to just go out there and I don't know, grace this with your I, athletic I, my, moves and dancing. I am not. First of all, I can't dance. I can't. By the way. So what is it about this TikTok star and this video that's gone viral? Well, that, you, you, know, know, you know, OK, so. I did recognize her. So I would, this is the, the full story is this. You're like, not that anyone gives a damn about my full story. The week I was hosting the jump, I was, I was like, okay, I want to get up. I was in there, you know, you get in at like nine 30 for a 12 o'clock show. So I'm writing the script, not writing it, but working through it, putting it in my own words. I'm like, Hey, anybody want a coffee? No, I'm walking off. And I've seen this girl before on like Instagram, not on TikTok, but just like her dancing videos with random people. So I was like, wait, mm-hmm. I know that girl in that little green jumpsuit. So I go over, I say hello. Her fiance's there like, oh, we're about to do something with Benny the Bull. The, the Bull's mascot just happens to be in L.A. So he comes around the He's corner. He's a great mascot. Great mascot. So he comes around the corner. And I was like, you know what? I was literally about to launch a TikTok next week. Do you guys want to do one? So I asked them. And they're like, sure. So she teaches me how to do the little dance. But she's got 1.5 million followers. And people see my big dumb ass out there trying to do a TikTok <laughs> dance. It's probably going to go viral, but she was super yeah, sweet. I watched it. it was I, I watched it. It was a little offbeat with you. So it goes back to how, you know how you were bragging earlier about basketball players are the most athletic. We're the best, 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 best. Well, that dance broke you off. Broke that me dance all the way literally off. made, no, I was like, no chance. Zero. Like, you're... <laughs> Zero. There was no swag. There was no swag whatsoever. <laughs> but look, this was the thing. I was, again... It was more of like it was that kinetic ener- that 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 frenetic energy that you get. I'm about yeah. to host on Monday, the first day. I get oh, up. I was like, let you. me go get a coffee. Yeah, so that, I go you're get a- blaming it on nerves. I'm not blaming. blaming it on nerves, no, I'm blaming it on nerves. But I'm saying like, and literally- you've literally competed at the Olympic Games. What you I'm saying, is at NBA championship with nerves. Out. So you're saying in that moment, the nerves overtook you to make you a bad dancer. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that <laughs> I was okay being a bad physical dancer because it got that energy out. For me uh, to go okay, do okay. my show, for me to go do the show, okay. so so I felt a lot I'll more relaxed. Oh, yeah, I'll okay. allow the excuse. But yeah, you can't dance. I'll allow it. I can't dance. That that's one thing that I don't try. That's not a strong point. But um, I will say this: I randomly took improv when I first retired to help with broadcasting. Uh, I did it all through. Like I did like three courses of it for a few weeks, and you just learn that you know sometimes you just gotta say fuck it. Right. Like who gives not about being mm-hmm. good. It's not about being it's just about kind of being in the moment. And it was fun. But it, it, I, I learned a lot. And I am now a TikTok star. Not really, but I, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. Richard, uh, I have to ask this question. I want to know what your greatest success is and why and what your biggest failure was. Ooh, that that's good. You know what? I want to say my I want to say my kids are my greatest success, but I can't really tell quite yet because they're only four and six. So they could grow up to be assholes. They could grow up to be dicks. And so, like, at this point in time, they're good kids. But let's say up until this point, hopefully when I'm like 50 and they're 20 and they're like, like nice members of society, I can say that that's what it is. But they're not there yet. So I'm still trying to raise guys and not to be a jerk. So I would say my biggest success. Ooh. That's tough. I, you know, the championship, yes. I, but I would still say 
you know, making it and staying in the league for as long as I did. That's very, very difficult. And even if you don't win Mm -hmm. a championship, even if you don't, you know, there was, you know, you know, there were some people that were, you know, criticizing a player, you know, and it was like, you know, one of the things that he said was, hey, look, like the minute you make it, the minute you help your family, the minute you can change your situation, you are a success. Like you come from nothing. I remember not having much as a kid, not having clothes that fit. I was growing too fast, not always having like, you know, I'm six foot five at 13 years old, 14 years old. Like I'm another grown man in the house eating like that. And there was all, wasn't always stuff. So I think just the ability to make it and sustain it that long. And when I was fortunate enough to retire, you know, I never had to work. My parents never had to work. My mom's house is paid. My mom and dad's house are paid for. I think to be able to change that, that's probably my greatest success. And my worst failure, worst failure. Well, obviously, being the one fucking Olympic team to not win a gold medal, I would put that up there. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't want to say it. I would put that a pretty I, high up there. No, because, no, because that I'm, one was some bullshit, man. Because like <laughs> we weren't exactly set up for success by our own country, you know, and we still had the youngest team ever sent over. You know, we mm-hmm. had no experience, and they actually changed the format. That's when they started the U.S. Select Team, and they started having training camps in Vegas every summer. They started that because they because realized that they put us in a bad position. When I'm meeting nine of the players for the first time before we go to the Olympics in two weeks, like that's not our yeah. fault. We didn't do that shit. Like we just didn't know each other, <laughs> and we're trying to figure it out. And they're like, "Well, you guys are talented enough. You guys had LeBron. He was 19. Like he hadn't even mm-hmm. played a playoff game yet." I don't think. Yeah. Maybe he had. But it was just, uh, yeah, I think he might have been in his second year or going along those lines. And you're like, this is not LeBron that went to 10 straight finals. It's not, it's not the same guy that we were playing yeah. with in 04. <laughs> that's not that who we were playing with. And so I think we got put in a bad situation. But still, like, that's the one where, like, you look at it, you have a better understanding of it. And you're glad that your failure help Help the the future successes of the USA basketball because they learned that they if you're going to put the athletes in this type of tough spot you have to make sure that you prepare them and and we weren't prepared and we learned that lesson in USA basketball and we've been better prepared ever since I wish I would have been a part of the better prepared group but you know so (laughs) well I'm actually glad you broke that down because I was like when I was reading the stats and I was like oh he's an Olympian and I just automatically assumed I was like gold medalist, and then when I read, I was like, "Ooh, bronze!" I was like, "What happened there?" I was like, "I don't." I don't oh, it was know. bad. Oh, well, they lost the Olympics. How about they lost the Olympics this this past? It was like the first game of the Olympics they lost. That was the first time they had lost an Olympics since us in '04. Since us, <laughs> like 16 years I'm ago. Like, I can't even hate on your bronze though. I don't have an Olympic medal at all, so I can't even hate. That's on what your I'm bronze. saying. And mine's like but an accidental I, medal. Like I was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, fuck you. I have an Olympic medal." Yeah, I know exactly. But uh, we all, all Olympians respect it. But I'm actually glad that you broke down uh, kind of what happened and now how future generations have actually, because we take pride in it. I know some, you know, I mean, I've heard different kind of sides of that for basketball. Like they care about the Olympics, but not really. It's just like, but I know for the other Olympians, like that are non NBA players that don't make millions of dollars. I got to tell you, we get a lot of joy seeing you guys in the Olympic Village. We like, it's the highlight. When you make an Olympic team, 
and you're in track and field or swimming or whatever, it is the highlight of your Olympic experience to get one picture with an NBA player. It's like, oh my gosh, I just got a picture with Chris Paul or LeBron or whoever, you know, like it's literally like that's your one bragging right that you have to take back, even if you don't medal. It's like everybody has their one picture with the basketball team. So whether you guys, you know, didn't get a gold medal, you guys going out there and fighting and, and representing Team USA and, and, you know, going after a long season or whatever the protocols are, because we know you guys don't make any money for the Olympics because we don't make any money for the Olympics. So we're just honored that you guys do it and you actually make the lives of the other Olympians like it, it's our moment at the Olympics. So we appreciate it. Before I was fortunate enough to win a championship, the greatest sports experience of my life was the opening what opening ceremonies at the Olympics. I like opening ceremonies. Oh, wow. I'm in opening ceremonies at Athens, Greece as a 24 year old. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, what? Like, and so it's like, to me, like, yes, like representing it. And I was, you know me, I don't shut the fuck up. I talk to everybody. <laughs> and so it was yeah. like, but there was tons of athletes from Arizona because I was 24 years old when I made the team. So like, there were, there were, we had swimmers from Arizona. Yeah, a lot of swimmers. A lot of softball players from Arizona. Jenny Finch, mm-hmm. that was like her era. So we went, we were actually freshmen together at, at Arizona. And here she is as an, you know, the Olympic team starter, wins the gold medal. I was there when they won the gold medal to support, you know, all the women there. So like there, it, it, I understood how important it was. And let me just say, I had fun. Like if you're, if you're, if you can't win the, if you can't win the medal, win the party. And I definitely won the party. <laughs> Let's just say You that. know what? I've never heard that quote before, but I feel like now I want to print that out yeah, on a t-shirt you, if, if you and literally wear that at the next Olympics. If you can't win the medal, win the party. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tag you in that picture. That, you, so great, Beijing that Winter a, Olympics That is a great term. If you can't win the, that was, if you can't win the game, win the party. And, and, and some people can win both. Gronk mm-hmm. wins both. Love Gronk it. is the type. Gronk and Brady are the ones that win both. They win the party. They win the game. No, and Brady win the party. doesn't win the party. Gronk wins both. I don't Gronk, know if Gronk, Brady's Gronk the wins party. both. He he gets he gets the residual fun effect. Tom Brady's not winning both. He literally didn't. He drop the he dropped the trophy in the water when they were celebrating on the boats. Like he doesn't win both. He literally dropped whatever. What's the trophy called? I'm no, I don't think he, he didn't drop it. Him. He didn't. He, they caught it. Yeah. Or no, they caught it, but he he like yeah, he he, tossed he, over the water. Yeah, and they were like yeah, he, not he happy looked, he about looked it. not sober. I've been there, Tom, only once. I know yeah, you've been gosh. there seven times. I've been there once, and I understand. I completely yeah. understand. But I do respect the fact that you said you play like your greatest accomplishment is. Uh, longevity in the NBA because that's how I feel. Like I think I'm going on year 17 or 18 as a pro athlete, and they don't understand. It's hard. They don't understand. It's hard. It's so those la- like I feel like every year, man, it's like 20, 30 percent harder to get out of bed, go training. Mm-hmm. Your body like hurts, man. My body hurts. Yes. <laughs> People don't understand. Like the so, older you get, the more work that you do, but not to get better, but to slow the decline. That's it. You're just trying to slow your <laughs> decline. You're not even trying to get better. You're like, I'm not going to be faster than I was at 25, but if I work just as hard as I did with 35, it'll, it'll, I'll decline very, very slowly. If you don't work, then you decline fast. It's so tough. I literally, I just, I just got um, um, PRP injections because I tore my adductor, but then I also had my Achilles hurting. So the, the doctor's like, well, where do you want the PRP? I'm like, can we just put it literally everywhere? Like I have Achilles, adductor, like low back. Can like, can you just cover my whole body in this yes, treatment. Yes, just just <laughs> just sleep in in a plasma bath. <laughs> Lastly, Richard, I want to ask you, what is the worst advice you've ever received and the best advice? Worst advice I ever received is just focus on basketball 
And the best advice that I ever received is it's a little long one, but it was the worst thing that you can do for someone that you love are things that they could and should do for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like a mouthful. I know that's a lot, but the worst thing that you should do, you could do for someone is the things that they should be doing for themselves. And when you get into this financial position, especially at 21 years old, you know, you want to help people. You want to elevate people around you. You want to help your brothers, your cousins, your moms, your uncles and all that sort of stuff. But it was like, wait, you ain't paid, been able to pay your bills for for 10 years and <laughs> I can help you. But why have you been in this position for 10 years? Right. And so it's like understanding why you help people, understanding how you help people and sometimes helping people isn't going to always be the best. There were people that I decided to help and then I helped them for a decade and they were in no better of a situation than they were before I started helping them. And I'm realizing like I'm almost enabling these individuals to to not do their responsibilities. And it's tough because 21 year olds, you get put in that situation. You make a hundred million dollars, you sign a $70 million contract and you're 25. Your family will look at you different, you know, Oh, little Richard oh, up the street. Oh, you know, it's just different. And the worst advice is the, just focus on basketball because that's how, especially the, the older generation, my generation was taught just you focus on basketball, your business people focus on business, you do this, maybe you do a commercial, maybe you do this, and and you know, you start to learn. It's like, no, like people don't teach you. You know how they teach you in, in high in um in, in high school. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook, they don't teach you about credit in high school, they teach you about this other bullshit that you don't need. Well, sometimes business managers and agents and financials advisors, instead of teaching these people how to be financial literate. They're just say like, here, just come give it to me. I got it. I'll take care of it. Versus teaching someone financial literacy. He's like, hey, Richard, this is why we do this. Hey, Richard, this is why you need to make sure that you have good tax, uh, good credit, all of these things. So I think the worst advice I got was just focus on basketball. And I realized that that was shitty advice and I focus on everything <laughs> now. And then the best advice that I, I got was, you know, basically the ability to say no is one of the greatest abilities that you'll ever, ever really own, especially a person that's in this athletic financial position. So, you know, that's my tip for athletes out there. I love it. Actually, not even athletes. Oh, I think anybody can use that advice and apply it to their life. So I just want to thank you so much, Richard, for coming on. Lolo, always a pleasure. And I'm, a, and I'm fucking I offended that stories. you would ask that. Don't you ask if I remember, if I remember <laughs> that those magical times we spent at the ESPYs blacked out drunk. <laughs> Yes, I'm I'm offended. They out there, they're like, "Hey, do you want to do Lolo's podcast?" Yeah, tell that's my girl. Tell her I said what's up. That's how I said. I, well, don't I can't hear. wait to see you at yeah. the next SPs. Oh, non COVID, non COVID, uh, non COVID regulations. I'm not raging. going to any. I have the COVID regulations, but uh, see you the next one. We'll have the sequel to that party. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. <laughs>